Welcome to Rotten Radio. Rotten Radio is a monthly podcast we bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rutten Brothers. Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary Church in Sioux Falls. Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. And Joe Rutten, professor and director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun. Good morning, Rockstars! You're listening to Rotten Radio here on Real Presence Radio. Coming at you kind of live uh, from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, and I'm joined today, as usual, by my brothers, Father Paul and Father John. How are we doing, fellas? The Father's Brothers. The Father's Brothers, yes. Y- you know, I'm kind of thinking we doing need well. like, uh, we need so, you know, like a new name for you two, you know? Let's pizzazz this thing up and like, I don't know, like what? The lesser and the greater is like a great biblical thing. Right. Like, we can even we've done, well, I've already done We've done that. I yeah. know. So I like, got my name tags. So I don't know. I'm the, I'm, have, yeah, I have name tags to prove it. You yeah. have name tags? Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. The, the lanyards, they like hang around me. They're really big. Yeah. So that we can yeah, do the yeah. elder and the younger? I am Father Rutten the Lesser, and he is Father Rutten the Greater. Wow. But when I'm having a really bad day, <laughs> eight, I have both of the tags now. We did it for the oh. March for Life a couple years ago, yeah. uh, and I have both of the tags now. And whenever I'm feeling a little down, right, I'm right. feeling peaked, or I'm feeling like life is just dreary, I take Father Rutten the Greater, and I flip him around, and I hang <laughs> Father Rutten the Greater. In front of my gotcha, office or in front gotcha, of myself, gotcha. and then I'm reminded I'm I'm great too in different ways. Well, that's kind of <laughs> nice. So the elder or younger was where I wanted to go, like Father Father Rutten the well, elder, maybe that'll and catch Father on Rutten too. the younger. Good, um, but we'll see. I don't know any listeners out there. We got listeners out there, so everybody out there listening and joining us here this morning on uh, Real Presence Radio, we're grateful that you're here. We're grateful, as always, that you check in each month and uh, give it a listen on the first Wednesday of the month. You can check out all of our old podcasts online at Real Presence Radio app. You can get for your phones if you don't have it. Otherwise, follow us online on the Real Presence Radio app or Rutten radio on facebook and that's how we interact with you so if you want to ask us questions or propose anything give insights that type of stuff please feel free to interact with us on facebook now with that let's get this party started what do you think fellas Sounds great. All right. <laughs> Father Paul was that, like, was that convincing? Was I was Father, I, Father Paul's like come on uh, let's go. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh we have two segments. We have two components to this, faith and culture and a movie review up front, and we kind of take a theme out of that and roll it into the second half hour and extend that conversation a little bit. And so our movie review for the month this month is one of my favorites, Clint Eastwood's Gran Torino. Father Paul, you want to kick this thing off for us? Maybe give a... Do we need a disclaimer for Gran Torino? I thought we were doing introductions, or did we already... Bypass that. Um, we, with. I think we bypassed. Okay, it. great. Yeah, bypass. Great. Let's we'll drive. Come, we'll, we'll come back to that. I guess. Uh, sure. Why not? Uh, yeah, there are disclaimers uh, on a variety of levels. If you're easily offended by any sort of racial slur, uh, you best not watch this movie. Uh, there's some violence, uh, but for the most part, it really. I just you know you realize like the just sort of the stereotypes and those kinds of things uh, that are in it uh, and the language. Uh, would be it. Uh, but Gran Torino is the story of Walt Kowalski, uh, who Clint Eastwood plays, who's a widower. And in fact, the show opens, and you'll see it open with the funeral uh, of his wife. 
uh, who had just passed away. And so it sort of sets the stage of the movie. Um, who he holds on to these prejudices despite the changes in the Michigan neighborhood and the world around him. Uh, Kowalski's a grumpy, tough minded, unhappy old man who can't get along with either his kids or his neighbors. <laughs> uh, he's a Korean War vet whose prized possession is a 1972 Grand Torino. It's a thing of beauty. Oh, it's a beauty. Kept in mint condition. Uh, and his neighbor, Tao, uh, is a young Hmong teenager. Uh, who's told he's got to steal the Grand Torino uh, to get into a gang that his cousin is a member of. Kowalski catches him, uh, and then Tao has to do uh, work for him. And so in that, Kowalski begins to try to reform the youth, give him some toughen him up, man him up, all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and then uh, Kowalski actually begins to enter into uh, the life of his neighbors and those people. So it's really quite a movie. Anytime I laugh during this movie review, what is happening is in my head, the words with which he addresses the things we're talking about are really going through. (laughs) (laughs) And the words that we can't repeat. So, uh, but it's an interesting uh, narrative, right? Because it kind of is about, it's almost as if our, maybe for the better, but we live in a hypersensitive uh, culture today right. where we are very sensitive to what we name things, mm-hmm. how we communicate to and about things. And so in this context, it almost is shocking to the ears a bit as <laughs> you're like, Ooh, but I think 10, 15, 20 years ago, we might not have been so sensitive or, la- but now we laugh, we want to laugh at it, but it's like, Oh, is that appropriate or not? But it's old school a little bit, but at the heart of the thing isn't necessarily there's a, there's both potentially surface level prejudices and stuff, but it's interesting because the prejudice goes both ways, right? right? There's yep, a Hmong nope. family next door that's prejudiced towards him. Right. Why <laughs> don't you like, just leave? What's the what old you white man doing like, here? Move away. Do? This is our neighborhood. What are right. you doing in here? And so it just kind of, uh, sure. so I mean the African-American kids, I mean all everyone, this is the thing that I think was important. Everyone has a racial slur towards another, like, even the Italians and the Polacks. Right. All cultures. <laughs> right. Like, and, and they just, they use them all. So it, it wasn't like it was just white supremacists or white people, you know, but it just showed that every culture looks at other cultures with this sort of view. There's a lot going on in this thing, themes and, 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 and movements. And, and I don't know, Father John, you want to kind of kick it off and say, well, what's something that actually got into this that immediately jumped out or, or something that resonated with you initially in regard to the film and why you really enjoyed it? What does it mean that to define myself, I often define another first? That there's this whole play back and forth about the differentness of these people. And in a way, um, it's a struggle to allow my identity to include the one who is other than me, that is different than me. But that's the truth. And explain that. Um, yeah. So I have a Hmong neighbor. Well, actually, as the movie goes on, you discover that who Walt is comes alive because of these people who are other than him, who are different than him. Uh, so part of who Walt is is connected with who his neighbor is. 
And so to define himself, he needs to sort of see himself in relationship with others. Mm. And oftentimes we define ourselves, we think we define ourselves based on our own idea of who we are instead of in a relationship with another. And so I just was struck that all throughout, like who these people are, even the priest, right? The priest has, (laughs) I think, the best line in all of Catholic priestdom um, when he, he goes to knock on the door. So this is a young priest. You can imagine this young priest. You can imagine 20, me with well, hair he, he does 20 give years us a de- ago. He does give us a description of the young priest, which we cannot repeat on the radio. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like he goes to the door to knock on the door to tell this old crotchety man that his deceased wife on her deathbed said, my husband needs to go to confession. Okay, so let's have a disclaimer right there. And not the way to go about it. <laughs> but this priest takes it seriously and he's going to make sure this guy goes to confession. And the guy rips into him with uh-huh. a line about, you know, your job is to hold the hands of old ladies and, <laughs> and superstition you know, and, and superstitious <laughs> things. And I mean, it's really promise kind of funny. Something that you, how did, promise them something that you can never guarantee the return on or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like he belays this guy in a heartbeat. <laughs> and, not then sh- an, <laughs> and then shuts the door on him. Yeah, and then bam. Uh, so there's just a... Um, and yet, this priest... Even if he weren't to get this man to go to confession, this priest needs this man more than just as a missionary work. Like the priest needs him to become who the priest is called to be. And not by getting the guy to go to confession, but by recognizing I can't just make someone else do what I want him to do, but somehow I'm called to be in relationship with someone else. So this priest is in relationship with this crotchety old man and the crotchety old man is in a relationship with him and he sort of can't get rid of him. Right, because he shows up at the bar. He shows up at the bar. He shows up everywhere he's going and I'm thinking, this guy's got tenacity. Even I kind of hate the priest. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was, there was a couple times like, I think I had given up by now. Uh, so there's just this beautiful dynamic where, you, but you can't do that. At a certain point, you have to learn to accept where someone is. Right. And this is the difficulty that I found watching the movie is, I don't know if I could accept that these are the faults of these people. Certainly the world can accept that right. people are different yep. than what they want, but it's the yeah. truth. These other people help me know who I am. Right. So in community, we discover ourselves. Right. Father Paul? And I think in that, there is a little bit of truth. Like in the description of the priest, there was the truth. Because the priest does reiterate at the end of the movie that that this, when I met Walt, this is what Walt told me I was. And there was this real freedom because mm-hmm. there was truth behind it. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it wasn't done in the most tactful way. But I think this is the challenge. If I can't be honest about where I'm at, then I'm never really going to move forward or, or, or change because I haven't accepted that this is really who I am. He had to accept that there was a truth about the fact that he really didn't know things about life and death. This is the man, the, the, the old priest. man. Yeah. The, oh, the, the, oh priest. the priest. Ah, okay. Right. You know, I, he could quote things, but, and then he says, then, and Walt taught me about mm-hmm. things that you can't forget and uh, about life and death. And it, and, and it was, it was just quite an interesting, um, but phew. I, I thought of two actual people that, that we know, or that I know, uh, was Uncle John. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just kept thinking of Uncle John. <laughs> Uncle John. Um, and then another, all these Johns. I wonder what must be about John. <laughs> and then this professor, Econ John from SDSU, exactly the same way. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. 
He, I mean, like I went to, I was at the gym one day and I went up to him. Hey John, how are you? And he's like, what are you running for office? I'm like, no, John, just trying to be nice and shake someone's hand. Uh, but it was Saturday morning. He's working out. And he's like, what you running for office father? I'm like, no, no, no. I'll go back to my dumbbells. <laughs> yeah, dumb, dumb. I'll just go over here. Uh, you know, but I mean, exactly. Like he would say the darndest things yeah. and he hated this woman's petition that we would have at mass. Like we would open them up for petitions at the Newman center and she would give the same one every day and he hated it. And you could hear him like, <laughs> like using words you shouldn't use. Uh, <laughs> right in church. Yeah. Right in the middle of the mass. Yeah. And so he said, I'll give you a thousand dollars father. If you shut her up. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day I didn't open up the petitions. Did he get, did he get, did he get a thousand dollars to the, he was always very generous to the Newman center. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I stopped That's opening him up. Awesome. So he was happy. Anyways. That's. Must be John. Some must be something about John. That's clever. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well, the, uh, you know, I, I did a little research into Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood obviously is an amazing talent and producer and a lot of his movies have deep humanity embedded in them. And this seems to be like the culmination to me, partly because I see the deep um, resonance of the Christ figure. Oh, yeah. And mm. so sacrifice is at the heart of the film for the stranger, for the alien, for like all of these biblical gospel values that we talk about. You know, it's like, wait a minute here. This is not who the world would say is a good person. The world actually right now would look at Walt Kowalski and say, this is a deeply disturbed and troubled and this guy needs help. And, and, you know, maybe he does. I don't know. You know, but at the heart of who he is as a person, like this is a guy that has deep humanity in him and actually cares deeply for his neighbors. Although it's a process. He has to come to it, right? He has to he has to choose it. He is prejudiced in his own ways. He does he's got a war that scarred him and sure. given him, but at the heart of the whole thing, it develops into the full sacrifice for these people which at the beginning of the movie, he maybe did carry a deep prejudice toward. And that movement just gave me hope to say, you know what? What are my prejudices? And how is it that Christ can move me? to be more sacrificial toward those people that I really am selfish toward or I don't am challenged by or, but you know, that movement at the end of the film where it's like, all right, here he is. He's going to kind of think about the ultimate sacrifice in love of his neighbor. And that's what Christ did. And, and couldn't you also argue that he just is a product of, of his time and his culture. And so to a man like Walt, our yard, our house, our property is a reflection of ourselves in a sense. And so he has great pride in it. Like he takes great pride in his yard and his house and his right. car because that's just that generation. And so as he looks around and all the houses need painting and all the houses are kind of disheveled, in a sense, he's trying to say, do these people not have any pride? Like, are they, like, do they not care about themselves? And then, but what was interesting was sort of there was I don't know exactly what oh it was a, it was a birth of a child so the the Hmong family has like constant food like being brought in constant food being brought in and you get to Walt's house and Walt just has a funeral and there's like nothing 
And, and so again, you see this thing. What's important to the Hmong people is maybe not that their house is nice, but that, that these people show respect. Uh, and then they try to show respect to Walt uh, and he won't let them like, take all this food away. And he's like, throw it all away. And so again, this real, real realization that sometimes what I think is a reflection of a good self-image, good self-identity might not be what someone else's is. And I can miss it then that they actually do have something in them, but because it's not reflected in the same way. Hmm. Uh, what, what do we make? And I don't know that you're going to be able to answer this. What do we make of the fact that Walt is the Christian who has the nice yard, has all of the family there. They all got good jobs. Um, and yet he's the racist man, the one who's angry, the one who's close to the world, the one who has all these. And then the neighbor is the spiritist or whatever. They got that guy in there <laughs> yep. with their doing his prayers and stuff, but they're the ones that have the joy and they're the ones who have yeah. a family life and they're the ones who have give an ability to give. And, um, and as for, for as different as they both are broken, it's very evident that Walt's side of the street is a lot worse. You know, yeah. they may have an, a grandma who's sort of just as can 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 spit, spit bigger, bigger yep. <laughs> and dirtier. And dirty, yep. uh, but she's still somehow. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting obs- thing that kept playing back and forth in my mind. And I don't think Grand Trina was like trying to get across something like Christianity's bad. But I do think it's emblematic of. Yeah. No, I think what maybe we're trying to show is that Christianity is often not lived authentically. I mean, our readings, you know, as we're recording now are all about, you know, Jesus is like berating the scribes and Pharisees, you know, everything on the outside looks good and everything on the inside isn't. And so again, I think almost this like superficial living of Christianity and Walt can't stand it. Like Walt can't stand that. He he sees right through it and he's not going to live that. Mm. And so in a sense, what he needs to encounter is real Christians. And so in a sense, father becomes that for him because he's persistent and he keeps showing up and keeps showing up and keeps showing up. So if anything, I think it's, it maybe is whether Clint Eastwood tries it or not is a a challenge for us who call ourselves Christian to say, is it really authentic or would a man like Walt walk away from our church because he sees the hypocrisy of it? Hmm. He sees that we really don't care like we're supposed to. Uh, you know, I don't know, but you're right. I mean, it definitely was evident that the Hmong family had more community and more caring and more compassion uh, than the Kowalskis. I mean, they couldn't wait to get out of there. You know, like the, the family was just like, out the door they go. I know it made me uncomfortable just watching them being uncomfortable. Uh, maybe partly because and many times in my life I've been in their shoes where I didn't want to be present to the circumstances that I was in Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason. And so the distraction, you could see their distraction. You could see their priorities being misaligned. You could, and I've been there and to be able to stop and say, you know what, that's, I'm not too far away from that. Yeah. Um, That I ought to be careful to get too quick to judge the, uh, the brothers that aren't really responsible to their parent. Sure. Um, and then the children and this, and then at the same time to say, well, wherever I am at, there is hope because just as Walt is having a process of conversion, so too am I. Right. And that I can be, I'm becoming, I'm in the moment, have choices that 
can can transform how am I authentically living? Uh, and I think this is that this is a, you know this is malleable. It's I'm continue, we're all in a continued process of living in a relationship with Christ. But the distinct difference of the family, the perpetual ability of the son to communicate with his father in a way which does not actually care about who the father is, but what the father can provide for him. And to think that he would call up and the father would call him out and say, you're not authentic. You're, you're calling. Why? What do you want from me? You're calling me. What do you want from me? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. How are you? Hey, Uh, say dad, do you still work with that? Do you know that guy that has the lion's tickets? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And his dad hangs up on him like that's, and I kind of think, wow, am I, how, how might I be like that? And and how can I, so I don't know. I just, I'm quick to not to to understand that I'm challenged in some ways to uh, be integrated and live authentic Christian, the Christian faith. And at the same time, be compassionate because I know that at times I've been there. Sure. You, You know, and that does bring kind of an interesting thing. You know, his two children move away from him, you know? So there is this, Walt has this sort of propelling personality, like go away like, <laughs> to everyone. Like he just keeps pushing people away. The Hmong won't leave, <laughs> you know? And so it, what would have happened if the, the kids would have still lived next door to their dads and lived their life authentically? Uh, you know, in a sense, the kids were just as quick to go away and because of that, they were never really in relationship with their, with their dad anymore. Um, and I'm sure it was just as frustrating for Walt because everything that Walt held dear, his kids didn't seem to. I mean, he drives a Toyota Land Rover. <laughs> like, you know, here he is in Michigan, you know, Ford and GM country. Uh, and the, the kid buys, you know, the Japanese car and, you know, all of these things that, that seem to be important. Uh, it was definitely... A lot of things to to really ponder uh, in the midst of it. Father John, what's uh, you looked at the movie, you got done with it, and you thought, hmm, where would you put that in movies? Like, would you, where, where do you rank that? Is this something you're like, yeah, man, that would, I'm, everybody's got to watch that thing, or you're like, yeah, it was all right. What'd you think? Yeah, it goes in the list of watch again. Oh, you really? Know? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, it was how a, do you yeah. not, it's, it's just one of those films. Why? Yeah. Why? What is it really? Like you said, uh, like, because this is it's why you watch that. Because it's real and it provokes something in me, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's easy to watch because it, you know, it's well made. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, you you know, there's no part where you're like click, you know, turn it off, or wish this yeah. would get going. I mean, uh, yeah, there's yeah, it's provocative in a way that. I think is good and um yeah it makes you it makes me think about what is real you know the things that we're talking about right now and the, even the question that I open up isn't something that there's an easy answer for right. uh I mean I could go on and on and on about all this stuff and then in 2 months be thinking something totally different about the same stuff so in a way it's one of those movies that you don't have an ability to say here's the theme it's like, no, like this thing goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Right. And so you got to watch it again to even understand more. Right. And this is yeah. the, this is the work of, of good literature. This is why, you know, I was reading a book and I was asking, how do you tell the difference between fiction and literature? Because they're the same thing, right? Why does something get classified as literature versus fiction? 
And the author was saying something is literature if, when reading it, you change. Uh-huh. That's, wow. you know, like something is art if in the more you engage it, the more you change. Mm. And so I think in a way, Gran Torino is a movie that makes me change. It's art. That makes me, it's art uh, in a way. Wow, I, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I think you're right. It It does... Yeah, it changes you. It changes your mindset. At least it changed my mindset. Um, and then it just gave me this deep, deep appreciation or love of the rough guy. That that person out there on the edge a little bit that maybe on the surface level you might take for granted or judge a certain way and just say, you know what? You never really know what's inside somebody sometimes until you do. Well, for me, I was actually on the opposite side of that. Uh, I almost totally forgot it, but having been the pastor at St. Lambert Parish, well, you were here at the cathedral. Uh, for me, it reminded me of the gift of the immigrant. Uh, oh, the, yes. and, and, and Tao isn't an immigrant necessarily. He was born in America in the, the movie, but, um, you know, just the other day I went over to the, um, Eritrean's house. Uh, my, some of my friends, they were having birthday parties. And I mean, that's like, an amazing experience. Oh yeah! So to go there and to have coffee made, you know, with the coffee beans on the <laughs> stove, you know, they're in the pot and then they take the coffee beans and yeah, then they, they got that they, little side deal. The little side little... deal with the grass, right. fake grass right. thing coming off of it. And they're, it's not your Mayan. It's not. Uh, yeah. yeah I'll put a, I'll put a picture on Facebook of, a, right. of my time with How them. How funny and, would it be if it's the same family? <laughs> <laughs> it might be, but just, I mean, at mass one day, there was this young man uh, at daily mass and he came, multiple days in a row and I just introduced myself and said hello and then asked him why he's here and just was open to him in a way in which a conversation developed right. and then he told me of his friend John Morrell and his friend showed up and his friend's family showed up and then his friend said you need to meet this person and they showed up and then she said "You're my son needs to go to your school and it's like this amazing life and that's just the 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 Eritreans, you know, right. there's the Karini and there's the Sudanese and there's, there's, they have something so beautiful. Um, now most of them that I know are Catholic and that's why I know them. But, um, much of it is they live a deeper human poverty that I think has a fruitfulness that's mm-hmm. helpful for us who are stuck in our, perf- you know, we're busy organizing all of our things. Right. Um, and these things, people don't have things, but they're happy. Right. Right. Yeah, joy. There's They're definitely happy. a joy. So, but you can't right. go over to their house well, without five hours to spare. Right, because five <laughs> hours and three cups. Right, is it yeah. three cups yeah. of? Uh... I got out of there with only two. Wow. I know they were That's very kind mortal to me. Sin. I know. I know. Well, I had to come before the party. It's a long story. Anyway, yeah. well, it's been good. we're gonna wrap up here our first half hour with Grand Torino movie review at Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. We're grateful for that you've joined us. Stick around, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the RPR Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of the Rutten Brothers after these messages. 
The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. The Real Presence Radio Fall Live Drive is coming September 18th, 19th, and 20th. Tune in from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for an amazing lineup of hosts and guests that will inspire, motivate, and move you to evangelize the Catholic faith. Our goal is to raise $600,000, and we know we can do it with your faithful support. Mark your calendar and call in to Real Presence Radio, 877-795-0122. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus Mystic Monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. The second annual Men's Golf and Faith Retreat is set for Friday, September 6th through Sunday the 8th at Craigens Resort in Brainerd. Join other Catholic men who like to golf for a weekend of faith, fraternity, and fun. This year's theme is The Mass, Heaven on Earth. There will be times of prayer, daily Mass, and four conferences given by Father Nicholas Nelson of the Diocese of Duluth. It's just $330 for the lodging, two rounds of golf, cart, breakfast, and even dinner on Saturday evening. Space is limited, though. Contact Father Nick to register at 218-666-5334. You know, there's so many Catholics, you know, they're, you know, they've been Catholic their whole lives and they've been filled with information. And we often, oftentimes we forget information. Um, but Catholic Radio, it really has the power to um, bring about formation. Mm-hmm. You know, formation, and it's not just information that we receive, but it's about form- the forming of our hearts, you know, closer to Jesus Christ as we listen to these, you know, the wonderful broadcasting um, on Real Presence Radio. And, you know, no matter how long we've been Catholic, the Lord has more for us, and He desires to draw us deeper. And and and, and you know the programs on, on, on Real Presence Radio um, allow the Lord to deepen His life in us. I mean, if we're paying attention, and we see it not just more information that we you know that that we're receiving, but this is really an opportunity as we listen, as we're driving down the road, listening to Catholic Radio, that, the, that we're giving the Lord the opportunity to continue to deepen our life in Jesus, to form our hearts to be like that of His own. This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. And we're back with Rutten Radio here on Real Presence Radio, everybody. We're extremely excited, as always, but mostly because if you're listening to this, um, we're live, but we record ahead of time and this is the afternoon we don't usually do this in the afternoon fellas no. and it's 7 a.m 7 30 out there for our listeners if you're live and uh so we got a little coffee in us we're a little <laughs> excited about life we haven't hit the uh three o'clock need an espresso time no. so we've got another half hour we want to jump right in here to our 
uh, Rutten Radio conversation in the second half hour, where we kind of have a thematic conversation around something oftentimes being extracted from the movie that we reviewed, which was Gran Torino, which if you haven't seen, should see immediately. It can be bought on iTunes, <laughs> whatever. The uh, you know how to watch it. So I, I'm I'm provoked by something that. I think both of you even alluded on in the first half hour, and that was about authentic Christianity, living in authentic Christianity, that real Christian witness is very important um, in allowing other people to observe and then to potentially themselves follow the thing that we're following or the one that we're following. So I'd like to just kind of jump in and say, all right, what what is authentic, authentically lived Christianity? What does it look like? What does it mean to be, quote unquote, a real Christian? Is that what we're talking about? What is authentic Christianity? I have probably used a bazillion times Pope Benedict XVI. To be a Christian is not an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but an encounter with an event, a person who changes the direction of my life. Uh, so to be an authentic Christian means that Jesus Christ changes my life constantly. And that to be authentic means I need to meet him and encounter him at all times. And if I don't, it's going to be an utter disaster. Uh, and, ever, <laughs> and in that I can pretend or set up ways in which I had met him and I just do those a lot. And then I can say, see, look, I did all these things. Those, those are the Christian things to do. So mm. I can serve the poor. I can say my prayers. Mm. I can, you know, go to the hospital uh, and never meet Christ uh, <laughs> because I'm just simply living the externals of Christianity. But instead to really say, no, Lord, I need to meet you. Like, I need you. A Christian understands that he needs Christ in a real way. And I think the other challenge is we don't get to determine when and how we meet him. And that's what I often ponder. You know, after Easter, we get all of those readings of Jesus coming and going and coming and going. And I know I would be so frustrated because I know I'd be like, no, no, Lord, tell me, when are you coming back and where? Like, let me know when and where so I can be prepared. But no, he just disappears. So do you think Christ is uh, comes back a lot? Do you think he's present? All the lot? time. Like we're all that's, waiting for the second coming, right? Well, that's oh. the big question. Right. So an authentic Christian life is anticipating Christ's return, is encountering Christ's return momentary. In front, like, so this, uh, you're saying authentic Christianity is experiencing the need for Christ present in relationship to them right now. Yep. Yes. And, then, that, and you have to have a sense and an awareness of that. You have to have an experience of that. An experience. Yeah. You, in an authentic recognition of an experience that it travels through me. Um, yeah, uh, it well, travels like through it's, me. it's like, it's not an idea. So I don't just say I can, well, this is the easiest way I can say it. I can point to a time and a place and a face and a name and a circumstance in which something hit me. Mm-hmm. Outside of me, it's not me. It came outside of me, but it hit me. How do you assess that? What's the thing you're talking about that hits you? Like, 
Like, all right. So well, I go to mass. Am I, is that, is that authentic? Like going, I go to mass or I go to like, oftentimes I think we assess authentic Christianity by doing things. We do something that is faithful to the church, the precepts, if you will. Um, and that's not necessarily, it seems what you're leading with. You don't seem mm-hmm. to be leading with um, check checking boxes of precepts, but of encountering. Yeah. Again, I think sometimes the challenge is that we either separate it too far or we, we get it all sort of jumbled up in like, yep, I, I need to pray every day. I need to yes. have structure. I need a right. routine. I need to go to church. I need all those things, right? you know, and I should do all those things. But what it doesn't mean is that the only way that I'm going to experience Jesus and the only way everyone else is, is just at mass. Cause I can't guarantee that even I'm going to feel Jesus in the Eucharist, even though I know it without a doubt, I know that Jesus is right, there, right. but I might meet him at the checkout counter <laughs> uh, in a way that is just as profound as it was when I was in prayer uh, five years ago. So you can have an intellectual ascent, an intellectual encounter, right? With a particular truth or a precept of the church. And, and you're saying, Hey, there's actually an encounter with something material with, with a reality yeah, and I'm, to you. yeah, and I'm saying that like the whole thing is so real that it's as if uh, a very attractive woman walked in the room. I'm moved, right? And if I'm not moved, then there's something wrong, <laughs> you know. And it's not the thing, but it's like I've reduced something, or I'm living in such a way that I'm like not engaged with the things that come to me anymore. And so, <laughs> but it also doesn't mean like. I have to always have this person like make me happy and joyous and right. but but because I know he's real because I've grown in this path of being surprised by this more and more I just come with who I am and I let him do what he wants and I go to mass not because I'm, he's going to like make me better I go to mass because lord I need you I need this place where I go and I just I need you but my certainty that is present to me in the eucharist is tied to the fact that this morning, before we recorded this, someone came and sat before me who I have not seen in some time, totally stuck, closed, rigid in a way like like something's wrong. They couldn't articulate it. They don't know what's wrong with them. They don't know what's going on. And I just am like, okay, so you just talk. Mm-hmm. Asking some questions, okay? I won't tell you what happened in between those things, but by the time that person left, they were visibly different. And so I said to him, you look like something's been good. <laughs> something good has happened here. And he's like, it has. And then he says something about me. Well, this is the fact. He didn't just show up at someone's random psychiatric hospital. He showed up in front of me. This is encounter, like the church. And you ask yourself, and then we have, uh, what was it, just a week ago or whatever, St. Augustine speaks about the light that's inside of him. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a light inside of us. We are this presence that still continues down in the church this day. And so the more I see him maybe in you, Paul, or the more that uh, I saw him working in this man. You're saying Christ? Christ. This mystery that is like the change. I see a change. The guy's crying. 
He leaves different. Like, what just happened in 40 minutes? This person, and he didn't even have to pay a bill to the psychiatrist. <laughs> no. And he's totally different. This is faith. Right. Transformational I believe Christ did that. Right. Now, he may still have a lot of struggles. He may still have a lot of difficulties. And he may still not yet see Jesus in the Eucharist. But if he keeps following this path, he's going to grow in his ability to say, Christ is there and there and there and there. And I got to give up my idea of how he's going to change me. Or but win. I, or win. But I can point to a time in which something happened to me, which echoes Benedict's words. Yeah. And I think that maybe is the, the great challenge. Again, the whole win. You know, so when is it going to happen versus do I have a different disposition towards it now so that I can be okay that it hasn't happened, but I know what my desire is that I, that I want to be the way that God made me to mm. be, but I can't make it. And so I'm just going to be patient and I'm going to have to suffer my own problems or insignificant, you know, insecurities and all of those things until he decides to, to change that part of me. And, and for me, that's the real challenge of Christianity is I think sometimes we think, well, I had this encounter, so everything should just be fine now. And I should be able just to think about that one great encounter and everything's going to be fine again. And it's never, I'm never going to have these, these challenges. And yet the Lord keeps putting us back and back and back in the in midst of all of those challenges. So to, to jump back last month, you asked me a question that I didn't have an answer to. Do you remember? And I said, I'm an introvert, so it takes me a while to process. What was the question? And you asked me about, are there fears that keep us from doing things? Mm. And I couldn't think of one. So I, I experienced it actually on Monday. I have a fear of not being able to be a contribution to a team, hmm. to a group of people. Like I want to be able to somehow say that I should be a part of the team. I golfed on Monday zero contribution to the team. And I couldn't stop the train wreck in my in mind. Your head. And I thought I shouldn't have even golfed. Literally, it was, it was exactly, it was my nightmare. So here's how it ends. You have to use two drives. We have the last two holes. One drive went in the water. <laughs> so they, they have to use it because it goes in the water and it's my drive. And you have to, yeah. And so the whole team... <laughs> now has a drive that went in the water. And then the second one, I like shanked it and they have to use it. And I thought through the whole 18 holes and I'm like, not a shot, not a shot was used. I'm like, why did I even do this? So this real challenge, like had I known that would have happened, I wouldn't have, you golfed. Wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. I would not have golfed, but I thought, well, it can't be that bad. So the problem with Christianity is I know intellectually I should be able to, to work through that, but I couldn't. And so for the last two days, I've been praying, well, Lord, you're going to have to help me. And then I have to be patient because he still hasn't helped me. And what are you looking for him to do? What's the, what's the thing? To give me the ability to be able to not be able to contribute and be okay with being part of the team. Being present. That I would have still had as much fun, right. but literally, like the whole thing just like fell apart. Yeah. Fell apart. <laughs> this is a beautiful example, and it happened once before when I was at SDSU. Exact same thing. I was on a golf 
team for SDSU wrestling. They had to use my two drives. Shank, they even let me try it again. Shank, let me try it again. Shank, like it was like reliving. It was a Groundhog's mm -hmm. Day. So, so in front of this, <laughs> there's a couple of possibilities. You could put forward a great deal of effort of practicing <laughs> so that it never happens again. Right. You could stop golfing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you could ride along and pretend yeah. as if you were a part of it, but really secretly knowing you're not. Right. Or you could recognize that you're adhering to something less than what's happening. The fact you're on the team mm -hmm. means you belong. Right. Your belonging is already there and we reduce it. This is the difficulty with the church. The, we, we have this ways in which we try and do it better. Get, get better. And then we're going to, then we can be good at mm -hmm. well, being Catholic. We uh, want to go, people go away. They enter this pain, this wound, or we think the wound is the team or the pain is the church or these people, but it's really us. We could stay around, but never really engage the game. And so mm -hmm. things are flat in our life. People don't really pay attention to us. We sort of feel like nobody wants us around, but we're mm -hmm. here. And, or we could pray for the grace and it's grace Oh yeah, to grow in our adherence of something more. The fact I'm here means I belong. I think yeah. what you have experienced is also the reality that it happened in your life. And because it happened in your life, because it's you as a person, this is as this heals and as this grows, it's going to have, it's going to explode into your existence. It's going to show up in places. The fruit of it is sure. going to show up in places. But until then, all I can remember is watching the ball go in the water. You know, like yeah. this is the hard part. Like this is, I think, the challenge of Christianity. And so if it's not lived authentically, then I just put on the airs of what a Christian should feel or think or say or do. And I just have to admit that it was a complete disaster from the perspective of being able to accept that. I was still part of the team. And at some point, and it was still good it, that I was part of a right. team. Is it, is mm -hmm. it interior freedom that you're looking for um, to still live, uh, to still be present to the fruits of the Holy Spirit, joy and uh, these types of things, even in the midst of this? Is that Well, it's what the ability the to not let the outcome determine whether or not it was considered a success. This is right. always this challenge. Like, how do you know if it's fruitful? We always say, well, because it multiplies. Well, so then you're you're always looking to say, well, then how many needs to multiply for it to be fruitful? Mm. One, one hundred, you know. So then it's always this outcome based. So the whole thing was based on the outcome of whether or not I would have hit the ball where it was supposed to go. And then had I done that, then I could have said, well, at least I contributed, you know, <laughs> to, to this golf team. But and and uh, would it be correct that another way of fruitfulness is to say that there's change? A better way of sure no, and, and, and so I do think that change. there is that ability as as well. But to recognize that, you know, and I think that begins to be the challenge. Like, how do you see? Like, how do you always see change? Mm. You know, like you can even go back to Walt in a, in the movie. Like, at what point did he change? Mm. Like, what was the moment that you say, "Well, Walt changed"? Was it, you know, when he gave him the the, the deep freeze? Uh, you know, like, can you, is there an actual moment 
Uh, or do you just have to sort of trust that something is happening underneath? Because I think, again, for us as Christians, we put a time limit on it. Like, again, I'm going to knock on their door twice, and if they don't respond within the two visits, then we're done and I move on. Or am I just going to feel, if I feel compelled to be a part of this person's life, then I'll just keep being a part of the person's life, and I don't actually need to see anything. Mm -hmm. But again, for me, it's like, well, so did anything change? You know? I, I don't know. but So I have to be able yeah. to assess it. I have to ask other people. You can talk to right. Phil. Phil's on my team. Nice. So, well, there uh, is. So, I, so I, real quickly, just to make sure, uh, <laughs> Rutten Radio, right? So as we, as our listeners out there, um, you know, are listening to Rutten Radio here at Real Presence Radio, we were reminded um, that seasons change, times change. What I'm most interested in here is that I think sometimes there might be a tendency for us to get going and, and say, all right, out there, what are they hearing? What is it that they they're thinking and desiring and wanting? And I don't know. I like. How do you do this? Like this doesn't. I didn't. Did you pick up a book and figure this thing out? Or like, you, uh, like is this Catholic spirituality one hundred and one that we didn't get? Or like where? What is this thing that you're talking about? Is it Jesuit spirituality? Is it Benedictine? Is it like you just learned it in the seminary? Or is it like I don't know? Do you think? got a Hindu guru down the road that kind of taught it. And you're like, wow, maybe this works for Christians too. Or what is this thing? If that's a real question, I'm, I'm trying to get to, sure. if you're well, listening it, it, out here, is it, is it just practical principles of Christian living? Is it, it, it's Christ. However, he chooses to come. So it's back to this question. Do you want to meet Christ? Yes. Okay. Then, then, then live with that desire, Lord. Mm -hmm. I want to meet you, mm -hmm. and that then and, becomes the lens and, by which I encounter everything. And then I begin to really, and you, you often need someone to help you, you know, who can also sort of listen and say what they they see or think. But then I begin to ask the question: What what is it going on in me? What is it that I desire? What is it that that is or isn't being satisfied? Uh, but I can tell you, it it's sort of like, again, nobody nobody has to tell you that when the beautiful woman walks in the room, you should notice her. Like, I don't have to say, okay, now, Joe, there's going to be this beautiful woman, and she's going to walk in, and when she walks in, here's what you should do. <laughs> right. You should, you should, yeah. you, like, these are the things you should do. But that's how we treat Christianity. Like, these are the things you should do. When Christ shows up, no, nobody needs to tell you what to do. When Christ shows up, game over. So why is this? This would be this would be the dynamic maybe you're looking for that I think answers both is once this happens, you have to follow the way in which He came to you, and so and this is where oftentimes we revert back to our old things and we don't follow it. We stop going on the golf team. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, so when I came back to the church, I went to mass at Christ the King, and someone came over and said, "Hey, well, you said Same. there's somebody by the name of Michael Donnelly, and they help people like you." And then I went to mass, and then this guy comes over and says, "Hey, what's wrong with you? Or what are you doing?" And I'm, "Oh, I have problems." And I'll come here, and he took me into the side room at Christ the King, and they were having donuts and coffee at 8:15 p.m. on a Sunday night. And he said, "John Rutten, Michael Donnelly, Michael right. Donnelly, John Rutten." And I'm right. like, what? And so what, "What?" So then I began sharing life with these people at this table. Right. Those yeah. eight 
guys at that table I started to share life with. And as you share life and follow the people that are sort of transmitting this to you, then you begin to grow with what and see the way they see. But if you stay at home, if I would have lived, I would have had the encounter but I don't think I would have grown. Sure. And I think the challenge is, Joe, it's all of it. It's Benedictine, Franciscan, Jesuit. It's, it's Ignatian. It, it's however Christ shows up. Like Christ showed up to Benedict in a particular way that he lived his life in a particular way and people began to follow him. So they called themselves Benedictines. And then Francis comes along, meets Christ in a different way and then is changed by it. And so I think the challenge is there isn't any one right way as far as those external things. Right, the charism. The, the reality is, it's the desire, I want to meet Christ. And then I begin to live my life in a way, and he will show up somehow. And as I begin, there, there, there is, this is the thing though, it's not saying that it doesn't matter what religion you are, it doesn't matter what you practice, blah, blah, all those things. It does in the end matter. There is truth, there is an absolute that Jesus Christ really is the one that saves everyone. How important do you see, how relevant was my change to the fact that I kept hanging out with these people that I met after mass that day? Well, I think it's, I think it's very important because it continued to verify that this was a place for you at this moment to, to grow, Mm. you know? And so then at some point it, not that they're not necessary, but sometimes again, we can get stuck. And we can say, oh, I, oh, the only way I can meet Christ is at, at 8.15 on Sunday at the, the, you know, the hall at Christ. No. And so we sometimes say, well, we can't change this because this is what we're, you know. So I do think that, it, yeah. it, you know, and, it does grow in different ways and, in that inability and, right. to see that Christ is. So for step number one, you're out there listening, you're in your car, you're wherever else. You're like, man, you know what? I'm missing something. I want to, man, what they're saying is interesting, right? Number one, do I want to see Christ? Do I want to live with Christ? Do I want Christ to, to be present to me? Number mm-hmm. one. Number two, then ask Christ, be present to me. Help me to see you present yeah. before me. Number three, number three, be open to him coming different than the way you have in your head. Right. And right. number four, is there something about community in here? I think you have to follow to the best you see possible the way in which he came to you. You can't have Father Paul Rutten show up and help you and then decide you, you're you going to go spend the rest of your, you're going to, when you need help again, you're going to call a different priest. No, right. you should call Father Paul until you grow in your awareness. Oh, maybe that maybe it's no, someone. Father John. You or know, a different person. Thing, but I think right. we go from different person and we never grow over that hump of, of our own idea. Instead of chasing, follow. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think to be honest and say, do I see it anywhere? <laughs> right, right, right. Do I see what I want anywhere? Mm, and not even just Jesus, right? Is right. that what you're saying? Like, Is there anything uh, do that's I attractive to me out yeah. there? You know, and, and so to really, like... And then to be able to ask question, why? What is it about... <laughs> so we have a lot of people this that are just great. asleep to life. <laughs> Would you say that it's a... a, a well, just, I, don't, just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, maybe not necessarily asleep to life, but they just... just we're, we're not aware of... Of what's really out there. The magic. Of what's really possible. Right. Like, and so for us as, as you know, for us as priests, what what are we doing to try to foster authentic relationships and, and community and uh, people who know Christ and can walk with Christ? And it doesn't, you know, have to be organized, uh, you know, in any particular way. Um, 
One of the things that I think is important with that is I've, I've found, I always try and turn around and create communities, right. but the thing I need to do is follow the one that is in front of me. And that generates the next thing without mm-hmm. me really trying. Right. So in a way like this right here is community. Our right. radio is community for us. Yep. And if we only did a show trying to figure out what everybody else needs, we'd disintegrate. And we wouldn't be any good. But when we pay attention to us, I mean, what's just happened to you, Father Paul, is like amazing. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm so glad we stayed with Rotten Radio for three and a half years. If I hated every day, this was worth it right there. Well, what then what is this? Well, the beautiful thing about this is the more we try and like answer each other's problems, the worse this place is. What this place is, is a place where increasingly Paul can come and say, hey, the question you asked last month, like, oh my, you wouldn't believe what happens. And right. we realize, oh, what people need is not answers to their problems. People need a place where they can come and open up what's really going on. So the change, whether you ever changed anymore or not, the change already happened. The change already happened. You just opened it up right here. Right. We don't have to worry about anything happening again. The miracles exist. And then if God wants to do more, he'll answer it. But I'm shocked that you've said what you said. That's like amazing. <laughs> I know. That's like, right, we right. aren't even going to charge you for the therapy we just gave. What a deal. Free. <laughs> what a deal. Maybe, maybe we can get a lunch, lunch out of this thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. It was a really good question I asked. I know it was. <laughs> it was. And, it's, and, I, and I think it was important that, totally side note, but that sometimes you ask an introvert a question and you really, A, don't give them long enough. Oh, yeah. And B, really believe that they're thinking about it. And they're really not, you mean? I, I, no, we are. No, they are. It's just a month later. Like a month later, I'm like, I, okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, no I'm ready to answer your question now. There's a great book called Quiet. Um, you should, but, Paul. Anyways, so you and I are like, you're like the Hmong, and I'm like the American, <laughs> or the Polish, and you're the extrovert, introvert, and I'm the extrovert, and I'm just learning. It's taken us 41 years yep. of existence to be like, oh, this On is the way eggs. introverts are like, hmm. And we do need prodding once in a while. Right. Uh, I would put it on your list, though. <laughs> Quiet. It is. Um, uh, we, it's about introverts living in an extroverted world. The it, movie Quiet. No, no it's, it's a book. A book. Oh. <laughs> no, we already did the movie. Uh, I was uh, say, yeah. So we're wrapping up here. It's been a great month of September here for us as we begin Rutten Radio. We've got a lot going on. The seasons have changed. School year's kicked up and is rocking and rolling, and the weather's changing, and all these great things. I just deeply, deeply have within my heart a desire that says, if you're out there searching, looking, wondering, like your meaning, whatever it is, that there is an answer that. His name is Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know what that means or looks like. Sometimes I'm trying to problem solve and figure it out here at the table with the brother priests, but I know it's real. I know he's real. I know I've encountered him. I pray to God that you just from your deepest desires of your heart, cry out to him and say, Lord, meet me today. And I'm confident because he's done it for me that he too would do it for you. Final thoughts. All right. Let's end with our family prayer together our Our father Father, we we thank thank you for your love and for your many blessings especially for the precious gift of each other help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us 
Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. In the name of the, name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. We'll see you next time right here at Rutten Radio on Real Presence Network. You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network.